you've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and supporting the Black Man with a Gun Show. This week, episode number 547, talking a little Thanksgiving, a little Black Friday, and a little bit about Black Hunters. Our friend, Michael J. Willen, introduces us to a new company that he found that has to do with ARs. Blackmanwithagun.com, Ken Blanchard's pro-gun podcast. All right, this is your friend and your brother, Ken Blanchard, just saying, hey, thank you for your comments at the Black Man with a Gun podcast page on Facebook. I saw that you, I asked a question and you responded. So I'm going to bring back shoot, don't shoot scenarios. I'm um, going to talk about gun guy stories and bills being present um, on every podcast that I can find. I'm going to actually um, check more into some of the effects of gun control that's happening around our nation, especially in our cities. And just keeping you informed with a lighthearted way that I do. This show wouldn't be nothing without you, and I'm glad that you're here. After John Wayne leads us in a Pledge of Allegiance, we're going to get on with this episode as we celebrate Thanksgiving and family and good times. Thanks for joining me. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, it's the month of November. This is the time of year when family starts to get together and we think about Thanksgiving and Black Friday, food and family, fun, hunting. This is good times. If you don't have a family that you want to hang out with, you can come over to my house if you want to. I think we are uh, only got the immediate family this year. Send me a note and uh, we'll put an extra plate out for you. Thanksgiving is the time when people just go crazy now. Um, I got in, fell in love with Cajun fried turkey. Frying a turkey just changed that whole bird all the way around. Candy yam still a favorite thing for me and uh, macaroni and cheese. I love uh, greens or kale with some smoked turkey in it. And uh, what else? Corn pudding. You ever had that? Yeah. And then there's string beans that the way old folks make it, where there's like some onions and some other stuff kind of sitting in there, or some pork or something kind of just floating in the background back there. And homemade rolls, or even those Hawaiian rolls ain't too bad. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, man. That's when you put on some pounds. But I've been trying to... Trying to stay fit, eating only just, you know, just a little bit, grabbing all the good stuff and sitting myself down. But I remember, remember we used to just go for it, eat like there was no tomorrow. Thanksgiving is probably the oldest holiday we have in the United States. goes back to the 1600s, thanking, for, thanking God for harvest, for plenty, for getting us through the year. It's a good time to be thankful. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you listening. Downloading and subscribing to this show. And then there's Black Friday, which they kind of started way too early talking about that one. Black Friday changed too, you know. Um, Black Friday used to be the day um, after Thanksgiving when uh, all white people thank God for all the black people they knew. Yeah, that's how it started. So if you got a few black friends, call them up on Black Friday and tell them that you love them. And if you really want to get into it, you got to scream it that you love black people. And both of you, just, everybody just start saying it. Just go, I love black I people. I love black people. I love black people. That's the real Black Friday. 
even though sometimes black people get on my damn nerves, but that's just me. Thanksgiving is also the time of uh, hunting season, and I thought I heard a rifle go off the other day, and it made me smile. It took me back to the time when I used to stay with my grandmother down in rural Virginia. You know, hunting in America is a timeless and a beautiful tradition, and there's not a lot of people pulling their kids to it, and I want to advise you or suggest to you or recommend to you that you look into it, that you find a way to introduce some kids to hunting. It'll change their life. The people that brave the weather conditions, enjoy the pursuit, and endure the time sitting motionless with a gun are representatives of what's good in our country. Almost all the hunters that I know have a strong faith system and appreciation for life. There is a subset of people that hunt that doesn't get much play, much recognition, but they're big on Facebook right now. They didn't exist before. Facebook has allowed them, and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat has allowed them to band together a little bit better, and that's the black hunters. Believe it or not, black people hunt. If the African-American population comprised of like 12.6% of the country, statistically about 2% of that hunts. Now, this is a niche of a niche, I know. But if the numbers are right, that's like 778,000 people. So to me, there's still a lot of potential for shooting outdoor and trade show events and markets in that community. African-Americans have been hunting for food in the South since before the Civil War. It's more of a sport today. But before that, hunting was survival. Many men had to, quote, poach game just to feed their families in a time when gun ownership was at its worst. It was illegal for a person of color to even have a gun. So if they didn't have land to hunt on, they were pretty much short. Today, it still comes down to land. One of the reasons for the lack of hunters of color is the land issue. Hunting is still a family thing. All the black hunters that I know do so on privately owned land that has been in their family for generations, or they go with somebody who has it. Now, gun ownership and for black hunters in my childhood was not as celebrated as much as it is today. The guns and the rifles were like the axes and the chainsaws that they had. I remember seeing half a dozen squirrels stripped of fur stretched out in my aunt's kitchen, soaking in brine before a meal. I remember the smell of those squirrels smothered in gravy that would make a cardiologist wince. I remember the hunters knocking on the screen porch, sharing parts of the deer they had harvested that morning with my grandmother as they crossed her property, out of respect. I can almost taste that venison right now. I wouldn't mind having some. I'm going to talk to a young brother who has been on the show before that Michael J. Woodman brought him on. And he's Johnny King. And Johnny King is up next. Here's Johnny. Johnny, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Man, we were talking a little bit, and you said that you've been shooting for a while, a competition shooter, but hunting is your newest thing. Is that right? Correct. And you shoot with a AR-15, a modular sporting rifle. How is that different from what you've read and seen other people do? Well, one of my hunting partners, he actually shoots with a thirty out 6 and he uses it's just a plain old bolt action Remington thirty out six, and so the first time that we went out hunting, he was surprised at me bringing out what he considered to be a um, a military arm, and I was explaining to him how it's no different from any other rifle. You know, you only get one one shot for every trigger pull, 
Um, and it's the same as any other rifle. It's really no different. The only difference between what he shoots and what I shoot is pretty much the caliber. And I, I've i gone between 300 Blackout and 223. Uh, 223 Remington for my uh, for my hunting needs, mm-hmm. but shooting the AR for me just came natural because I'm already used to using it in three gun. Aha! We'll talk about that later, but that's that's all right, man. <laughs> so, how'd your journey start? How'd you get into hunting? I first got into hunting um, when I was interested in, or I started prepping just kind of getting the idea that I should have and the ability to grow my own food and procure my own meat. And, uh, so I got into hunting. My first foray into it was trapping small animals, um, hunting squirrel, trapping raccoons. And then I wanted to get into hunting larger game like deer and turkey, because those are the larger species that are here in Columbia, South Carolina. And luckily for me, my mom has some land. Um, She's got like 13 acres of property that's all woodland. So I kind of went out there to get an idea of what it would be like hunting for deer. And it took a few years before I realized exactly what I need to do to draw deer into the, onto the property keep them there, understand what their movements are like, uh, figure out what the tracks mean, which directions they're moving, what times they're moving at, when they're feeding and all those things. It took, it, it was quite a journey of, of, um, of learning from just going out and sitting in the woods all day long and seeing absolutely nothing to realizing what it actually takes to hunt. Wow. Okay, so then it took a little bit of knowledge. Then after you got that part, you found a partner to help you kind of like go where the past YouTube and the books took you? Exactly. I, I started out just kind of reading on my own, looking, watching outdoor channel, um, watching YouTube videos, everything that I could to try to figure it out on my own. And... I was still unsuccessful and I just could not figure out what I was doing wrong. I'm going out here, I'm sitting in the stand and I'm not seeing any deer. I don't understand what the problem was. Is it that there are no deer here? What's going on? And so luckily for me, a um a friend of my wife her husband is an avid hunter and so they put us together And he took me out to a property that he manages the wildlife there. And I mean, he introduced me to everything that I needed to, to understand about looking at the tracks to get an idea of what type of deer are out there. Are there females? Is there uh, any males? What time of the year they're going to be moving? What time of the day they're moving? Um, And all that, because that makes a difference between if I'm sitting in the stand from the hours of 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and I see no deer. That doesn't mean that there aren't any deer. It may just mean that there are no deer during the times that I'm out there. So he imparted the wisdom for me to use technology more, to get some game cameras, put some game cameras out there, to uh, to 
plant a food plot to put out more uh like other other ways for them to eat and put out scents and lures and all these other things in order to bring them in to to not just use the the knowledge but to use all the tools at my disposal as well and so by using that i was lucky enough last year the first year that i was out hunting with him um i got my first deer probably within two months of he and i hunting together nice so what happened this time i mean this this deer season now so how'd you do on your last hunt Deer season this year started out just as slow as last year, um, and there are different stages to each season, which I didn't know when I first started. You've got the early season, which is um, usually for here in South Carolina, this the season starts on August 15th. It's still kind of warm, and you're, you're kind of catching the deer when they're still comfortable because they haven't been hunted or pressured at all for the past eight months. So the early part of the season is kind of just your lucky part of the season. You're going out in the stands hoping to get lucky. And the middle part of the season, which is called the rut, this is the mating season. And the, the rut time is where the, the males, the male deer, the bucks are constantly in motion. They're constantly moving around because they're trying to, they're trying to mate. And when they're not trying to mate, they're trying to keep themselves fed. They lose a lot of weight during the rut because they're moving around so much. And the does are constantly moving as well because they are they know that the bucks are competing for their attention. So they're going to where the bucks are as well as they're trying to get away from the bucks as well. They're creating a chase. So <clears throat> right now, which is during the rut, is the better chance of you getting a deer because again they're moving they're moving more uh they're also let's see they're moving throughout the course of the day so you have a better chance there um and the because they're only thinking on instinct they're only running on instinct of mating they are more likely to make mistakes so they're dumber as i hate to put it that way but they're 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 acting like young teenage boys Oh, I got you. And so, <laughs> exactly. And so after the rut, which should end later on this week, because the rut here in South Carolina lasts for about a month, it's the last two weeks of October through the first two weeks of November. After the rut is over, you go into the late season, which kind of like the beginning part of the season is just running on dumb luck again. We're just going out there and hoping that we catch them moving during uh during the daytime again man where'd you get all this information from (laughs) a part of it again was reading a lot of it was imparted in me on the guy who brought me out his name is rob and rob he's known these things for the longest he's been hunting in virginia most of his life so when he came to south carolina all that the the only information that he needed to change up was learning like when the when the rut season is and what seasons um or what part of the season the deer will be moving and all that and he's everything that he's told me i've absorbed it it's no need for me to pretend like i knew more than what he did i 
that's the whole reason for me going with him. He's the expert. So I'm going to listen to everything that he says and pay attention to it and absorb it. And he's been right. So who am I to, to judge, you know, if he's an expert or not? I think that he's an expert. He's got way more deer than I have. Cool, man. So what'd you harvest this season? What'd you get so far? Luckily this season, I, uh, I got my very first buck and it was, it was, it should have been a six point buck, but it turned out to be a three point. And, um, because one of the antlers had been broken off during a fight. So, and I, I learned this by looking at my game cameras. I saw on the game cameras, how this particular buck who I'd been paying attention to, he had two antlers. He had two, you know, nice size antlers most of the year. And then all of a sudden during the rut, he just came up with one missing. So he obviously lost it during a fight with, or a scuffle with another buck competing wow. for a doe. Bar, and, um, bar fights are rough. Yeah, definitely rougher in, in, in the wilderness than they are for humans, I guess. But, um, so I got, I got that buck and it felt really, really good to finally get a buck under my, under my belt. And that one in particularly, because I had been sitting in the stand since 2 a.m. waiting for that buck to come out. And here in South Carolina, the rules are that you can only shoot, um, an hour prior to sunrise to an hour after sunset. So, but if you want to get a jump on the deer, you've got to get in your stand well before then so that they're used to any sound that you, that you've made trying to get into the, into the stand, it doesn't spook them away. So you get there as early as possible so that when they pass through that area, they're completely unaware of your, of your presence. So I had sat in that stand since two in the morning and I got him about seven thirty in the morning which was uh, a five and a half hour sit of mm. being patient mm. and quiet and still. It was it was rough for me and it was cold. It was extremely cold. <laughs> but I got that buck and it made me feel really good. On top of the buck, I also got two does this year as well. Does are a little bit easier to catch because I, in my experience, I found that they tend to come out earlier in the evening than the bucks do. So you can, I, I've been, I've, been lucky enough to catch them just as the sun is starting to set they'll they'll start to come out to the to the feeding plots and that's when uh, you have the opportunity to harvest one nice so what do you guys do with yours do you um or jerky or chili or what what do you use what are you eating well rob taught me how to process the entire deer so we don't take them to a processor like most people do um and that process includes they will skin the deer they will um they'll cut it grind it they'll make steaks they'll make hamburger they'll make sausage um they'll make cube steak they'll do all these different they'll season it tenderize it all of that for you and he has all the equipment himself so we just have um <laughs> we have grind parties where we skin our deer well we we usually skin them as soon as we get them out of the out of the woods simply because they're easier to skin when they're warm than before than after their their bodies have cooled off. So we'll Sense. skin them, and um, what most hunters will do is open the chest cavity and harvest the organs as well. We don't do that. We don't we don't harvest the organs. We will actually 
just cut all of the muscle meat from the legs, from the shoulders, from the back, from the neck. We'll cut all of that off of the bones while the deer is hung, and um, we'll, we'll process that meat. Everything that's left of the carcass, which is the organs, the bones, the tendons, anything else, or, you know, the small amounts of meat that are still on there, we'll, we'll get that back to nature. We put that back out into the woods because there are coyotes, there are foxes, there are vultures, there are all these other animals that will eat that meat. And um, we'll basically put it back into nature. So we leave it out there for for them to to take advantage of our kill as well. Okay. Have you brought your kids into this yet? I've tried to bring my son into it, and he seems enthusiastic about just being out in into nature. So getting him to take a shot, I haven't had the chance to get him to do that, but in our discussions about it, he he's open to the idea of it. The one thing that he's not open to is eating the deer. For whatever the reason, my son does not like eating wildlife. He and I will go fishing, and we'll bring back a ton of fish. He will not eat the fish. If I go out hunting, he'll watch me skin the deer. He will not eat any of the deer. It's just something in him where he just he's very picky eater, and he will not eat the deer. Now, what I prefer to make from the deer, uh, from the venison meat, is I like to make chilies out of it. I do like to make chili, um, breakfast sausage, um, spaghetti, anything, because one I prefer it to just be ground. I'm not big on steaks or anything like that, so I don't really make deer steaks. Cube steak, n- not too big on that either. Just grind all mine up and mm-hmm. let me make what make out of it with like I would with any kind of ground beef. Okay. And cool. I'm fine with that. Cool. What um, what recommendations would you have for a new shooter, new hunter into this sport? Somebody who just listening to us right now and go, hmm, maybe I should try that. What do you, what do you tell them to do? Ooh, try to find someone, anyone that is also a hunter. Be open-minded about the people that you may not know who are hunters and are willing to take you out. One of the things that you can have said that really touched my heart is your insistence that anyone who will give you a gun is your, is your friend. Anyone who would take one from you is your enemy. And it's the same, it's the same idea. If, if someone is willing to take you armed into the woods with them, they're showing you a level of trust that you're not going to get from the average Joe on the street. So if you're, if you have Facebook, if you've got Twitter or anything like that, um, Snapchat, and you have a family member, a friend of a family member, a friend of a friend, a family member of a friend, anyone else who hunts, reach out to them, simply reach out to them and ask them if you can go hunting with them. They are more than likely waiting for someone to go hunting with them. And the reason being is because when you're in a stand and you're managing a property with tons of wildlife on it, you only have two eyes and you can only watch one, two, three directions at a time. The more eyes that you have out there, the more chances you have of getting a successful harvest. If you, and 
If you want to be a part of that, all you have to do is just reach out to somebody. Chances are they will say no. And if they say no, it's no big deal. You didn't lose anything. Just go and ask the next person. Right on, man. That's that's a good tag right there. Well, Johnny, thank you, man. And um, I look forward to talking to you again soon about uh, IDPA, maybe, in Competition 3-Gun. Sounds good to me. I'll be happy to talk about those as well. All right, cool, man. Thank you. Thank you. Black man with a gun. Reloaded. Get the inside, the background, wisdom, information, and experiences of Reverend Ken Blanchard, CIA firearms instructor, gun rights activist, that has been involved in this community since 1991. Read about guns, the culture, the community, and the inside stuff behind what you see everywhere else. You can get it firsthand from the guy they call the black man with the gun in his book on Amazon.com. Black man with a gun. Reloaded. This portion of the show is sponsored by CrossbreedHolsters.com. Crossbreed Holsters has gained national recognition as a maker of the best and most functional concealment holsters available on the market today. Each holster is handcrafted to ensure your firearm is safe and secure while carrying, combined with the best customer service in the industry. Visit CrossbreedHolsters.com. And you're up, Big Mike. What you got for me? Take it away, man. Thank you, Ken, and welcome to another Tips and Review segment. I am Michael Woodland, and today we're going to discuss shooting an AR-15 from a new company on the block. Last week, while competing in a three-gun match, there was a company that was introduced to me called Delphi Tactical. This company is one that is owned and operated by a military veteran. After being in suspense about this company, I had a conversation with the owner named Joy D. After exchanging some formities about the military, Joy D walked me over to the display of Delphi Tactical Firearms and their lineup of rifles. Instantly, there was an AR-15 on the table that caught my eye, called the Silver Bow. Even though it was offered to fire any or all their rifles, the Silver Bow was calling my name like the person of your dreams. To be honest with you, my first thought was this is going to fire like every other AR-15, but it does feel comfortable when I hold it. The lines are sexy and the weight is ideal. After pulling the trigger, I was amazed. If you remember sometime last year in one of the past segments, my friend named Sandbag Jason purchased a rifle from a company that has been on my radar for some time. After shooting his rifle, I was determined to get one for the reason of the less recoil the rifle displayed. After shooting the silver bow from Delphi Tactical, I was surprised and this is officially the less recoil I experienced from an AR. Before you ask, there was no suppressor attached to the silver bow. Not only did everything feel right with the ergonomics of this system, the weight is very manageable and did I mention it was literally minimum recoil. I was so surprised, I purposely shot wrong to see if the silver bow was actually what I was experiencing. After looking at Joey D, he just smiled and said, I told you. And then the questions were being fired at him. 
Sometime in the near future, I will contact Joey D again and see if he is willing to have a conversation with me for the audience in regards to Delphi Tactical and do a more thorough review of their flagship AR-15 called the Silver Bow. Look them up online at DelphiTactical.com. In my opinion, I think this company will be one of the top three within the next two years, especially if some top three gun shooter get their hands on one. Now, I just have to get Ken down here and experience this for himself and watch the wow factor on his face. For those who are looking to contact me, visit blackmanwiththegun.com and under the leaders tab, click on my name, Michael Woodland, and shoot me an email. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun. Back to you, Ken. Thanks, man. I got to check out that DelphiTactical.com. Do you have a concealed carry permit? Have you received training? Been educated in its use of self-defense and protecting you and your family? Well, one piece you might be missing is self-defense insurance. It's what responsible gun owners do. A friend of mine started a company, a magazine back in the day. And the magazine was successful. He was able to branch out, provide education, training, and self-defense insurance for responsible gun owners. It's the USCCA. I am now an affiliate. I want to show off my buddy right now. Go to uscca.blackmanwithagun.com and check out the page. I guarantee you there's something that you could use, something that can help you, something that can make you better. uscca.blackmanwithagun.com Check it out. Education, training, and self-defense insurance for responsible gun owners. This show is part of the Gun Podcast Network, an exclusive group showcasing professional pro-gun podcast and broadcasters hitting our targets. Well, I think that's all I got for you this week. Yeah, I know it's short, but I'm trying to keep it tight. I want to thank you for listening, downloading, and supporting this podcast. Special shout out to all my patrons on Patreon.com. Thank you for keeping the show alive. Thank you to those who have checked out the uscca.blackmanwithagun.com link and check that out. If you want to get the app, it's free. You can find it on Google Play if you're an Android user or at blackmanwithagun.org. It'll take you right to the Apple Podcast link. It's a free app that you can put to show contact me, all my social media links, all in one spot. And if you would like an app for your podcast, an app for your blog, send me a note and I'll get you in contact with my lady. She is awesome. We'll fix you right up, get you looking good, sounding good. My app actually allows me to personally contact and stay with the folks who listen to the show. I mean, there's like a million different apps out there and ways that you can connect to the podcast, but nothing's better than having an app made just for you. Speaking of just for you, check out Speak Life Podcast. It's my newest podcast. It's something I'm going to take with me strong in 2018. I'm going to create a foundation for it. It's a ministry. It's a way for me to give back and give to the people of God. Speak Life Podcast. You can find out about it at BlanchardMinistries.com or go directly to the link at SpeakLifePodcast.com. Speak Life podcast. All right. Remember this. Whoever's trying to bring you down is already below you. Just in case nobody has told you this today.
I love you. And there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Until next week, happy Thanksgiving and shalom, baby. Until next time, friends. To keep in touch with Ken and his cause, head over to blackmanwithagun.com. 